0: Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Springs Weekly Podcast. Every week, we'll provide you with the weekend message from our Sunday service. Good morning, or it's actually at noon. Okay, now I can say it. Good afternoon. (laughs) I watched it literally turn to 1201, so it's actually afternoon. So good afternoon, Harvest Springs. How are you this morning or this afternoon? Good. All right. You guys are doing better than some of the other services. Seems like you've had enough coffee. Maybe I haven't because I can't tell if it's morning or noon yet. So, but uh, the word "enough" has come up over and over in my mind as I was studying for this series. As I was studying for this uh, message today, and uh, maybe the word "enough" for you brings up thoughts like for for me. It brings up many thoughts in my head when I think of the word enough. And perhaps it does for you too. Maybe things like, do I have enough food for the company that's coming over? Maybe, maybe Pastor Joe's thinking that downstairs. Do I have enough food for everybody today? Or maybe you said this, do I, did I study enough? Did I pack enough clothes for the trip that I'm about to go on? Or <laughs> there were too many, that's what we do. Am I smart enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I handsome enough? Strong enough? Or maybe you had a grandmother like I did, and every time I would go over to her house, she would ask me this question: "Did you get enough to eat?" That's what my grandmother always asked me, and the answer was usually no. Do you have any more? And uh, or maybe you've asked yourself this question lately do I have enough gas to get to my destination? Or maybe the better question would be, do I have enough gas money? Or maybe you've asked this question, do I have enough money to pay for my bills this month? Or maybe you're thinking, I've had just about enough of these enough analogies. As I thought about what I might title, if I were to title today's message, the word enough just kept coming up over and over again. So that's what I decided to put is enough. And I promise as we move over the message today, it'll start to make sense and you'll be able to see what I'm talking about when I see this word enough. But before we dive into God's word together, before we go any further, I would love for us to pray together. I know we've already prayed today, we've done things, but I want us to pray specifically right now that God would speak to our hearts that he would open up our minds and our spirits to receive the word he has for, him, for us today. So let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we just give you praise and glory for who you are. God, I'm so thankful for who you are. God, I'm so thankful for this day that you've given us. God, this is the day that you have made. God, we make the choice to rejoice and be glad in it. And Father, that is a choice that we make. So God, let us make that choice to rejoice and be glad in this day that you've given us. God, we're thankful that we get to come here this morning and we get to worship you. God, we're thankful that we can worship you through singing. We can worship you through giving and we can worship you through your word, which we're about to hear. God, I ask that you would speak through me, God, that you would use me as your willing vessel, that it wouldn't be my words, God, but it would be your words as your Holy Spirit speaks through me this morning. So God, speak to our hearts so that we wouldn't leave today the same way that we came in. God, that we would leave today changed and challenged for the better, taking our next steps towards you today, Jesus. So God, speak to us. We're thankful for your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. All right, all right. So today we're starting this brand new series. And for those of you that may not know me, I'm Neil Hancock. I am the student and family pastor here at Harvest Springs, and every once in a while, they let me talk to adults. Yes, appreciate those laughs. I use the same joke almost every time, and I still get laughs. Thank you. I appreciate it. But we're about to start this brand new series. It's a five-week series called Wilderness, Lessons from the Journey Through. And wilderness is a necessary part of the biblical story. But what is wilderness? Now, some of us, when we hear the word wilderness, perhaps we think of something like the woods or the forest. There's this commercial that comes on the radio. I often listen to the radio and I listen to talk radio. A lot of times I listen to sports talk. And a lot of times I'm listening to the sports talk radio station. This commercial comes on and it's this this thing that they say, the wilderness is calling as if it's trying to get us to go out into the woods, to go out into the forest and to explore. But in the Bible, wilderness is something much different than a lush forest filled with vegetation and and animals and rivers and bugs and nice camping opportunities. When the Bible talks about wilderness, it's often speaking of a place that is like a desert, hence the logo that we chose to use for this series. Wilderness is a place of barrenness without much life. It's, it's a dangerous place beyond our control. It's a disorienting place where it's hard to know which way to go or which way to, to turn, often hard to find your way back to civilization. It's a place that's extremely uncomfortable. How many of you love being uncomfortable, right? Nobody's raising their hand. Okay. I don't think so. Most of us don't like to be uncomfortable, right? I know I've met a few people that they don't mind uncomfortable situations, but most of us, we try to avoid being uncomfortable at all costs, right? We want to be comfortable. We want comfortable beds to sleep in. We want comfortable clothes. We want comfortable shoes, If you're my daughter, you want comfortable shoes that look good. Sometimes you might sacrifice comfortability for them to look good, but that's okay, something different. I like to be comfortable. Maybe you want to be comfortable with the temperature in your house. We want to be comfortable, and most of us will avoid being uncomfortable at all costs because we hate being uncomfortable. And we think that we have good reasons for trying to avoid it. I mean, hello, it's uncomfortable, right? But when our lives come to a desert, or we run into a desert in our lives, it's very hard for us to recover sometimes. Our hearts, our bodies, our minds, our spirits, they, they feel burnt out. And it, it, it seems extremely lifeless and sometimes if we're being honest, it's extremely difficult to even take the next step in life because we're trying to think like every single step, every single moment seems to be extremely difficult and take extreme amounts of effort. And when we begin to think about that time, and we begin to think and we begin to say this in our minds, we begin to say, "When will this be over? When will enough be enough? I feel hopeless. But yet, in the Bible, the desert isn't necessarily presented as a place of hopelessness. You see, God uses the desert, the wilderness, to speak to His people if you're feeling today, if you're here this morning and you're feeling like you're in the middle of this season, this dry season, and you're in the middle of this desert, you're in the middle of this wilderness, I want you to know this morning that you are not alone. And as we will see in this series, we'll be exploring five different stories from his word and lessons where God teaches his people while they're in a place that they do not want to be in, And we'll see that it's in the wilderness that God speaks to his people. So we use the tagline, lessons from the journey through. Because the truth is that we have to go through it. We can't avoid it. Can't go around it. We have to go through it. Even though, It's extremely uncomfortable. But what is God teaching us? What is God speaking to us in these places and seasons of life that are uncomfortable or undesirable? That is what we're going to look at. That's what we're going to find out in this series. As we navigate through these five stories and we look closely at what God wants to teach us through each of these five stories of wilderness, and the biblical story of wilderness that we're going to be talking about today is the story of God's people, the Israelites. And the people of Israel, God's chosen people, were the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name meant Israel. And this morning we're gonna we're gonna read a lot from the book of Exodus, and so if you brought your Bibles with you this morning, I encourage you to turn to the book of Exodus, because we're going to camp out there for quite a while this morning, and if you didn't bring your Bibles with you, that's okay too, because we'll have it up on the screens for you to follow along with us as we read in the book of Exodus this morning. We're going to be reading from the NIV translation. We're going to just jump in right away. Let's jump into Exodus chapter 1, verse 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, the descendants of Jacob, numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increasing in numbers and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous and If war breaks out, we'll join with our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Hitham and Ramses as stone cities for Pharaoh. And so the Israelites became slaves, and they remained slaves for hundreds of years. And then one day, God heard the cry of his people. As they were crying out under the, under the burden of slavery, he remembered the promise that he had made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And in Exodus chapter two, verse 25, we see that God decides that it's time to act. So let's read, we're gonna be in Exodus chapter two. We'll start in verse 25 and we're actually gonna read all through Chapter 3, verse 10. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that the bush was on fire and it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why is the bush not burning up? When I read that, I read this. I kind of think the same thing. I I don't know if you're like me when you read the Bible and you kind of think, I would have done that too. I'm like, wait, this is a bush on fire. I'm going to go over and check it out. That's what Moses did. He sees this bush on fire, but it's not burning up. So how many of you would say, that's pretty amazing, so I'm gonna go check it out? That's what Moses did. He goes over, and he's trying, he wants to see, but when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses says, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt." So that's pretty amazing. God was saying, my people have suffered long enough. It's time that they be rescued and become a nation. And most of us know how that story goes, and the story where Moses is sent to Pharaoh to go tell him to let his people go. And speaking of camps that we're talking about earlier, the camps that are coming up, most of us have sang that song at camp. You know that song, right? Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Oh, let my people go. What? Like I heard someone say, so at least one person knows what I'm talking about, right? Anyway, you, you get the point, right? Pharaoh goes and does what God had told him to do. He go or Moses goes and does what God had told him to do. And he goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. But we know that Pharaoh did not give up lightly, he did not give in. And God had to show up in some really huge and amazing and sometimes frightening ways in order to convince Pharaoh to let the Israelites go free. And you can read this whole encounter of Moses and Pharaoh in Exodus chapters four through 12. And if you wanna read that story, we're not going to jump into that part of this story this morning or this afternoon. We're going to we're going to go past that part of it. But if you want to go back, you want to read the interaction of Moses and Pharaoh. You can read that in Exodus chapters four through twelve. But the way the story goes is, finally, Pharaoh had had enough, and as we read in Exodus chapter twelve, verse thirty one. He sends out for Moses and Aaron in the middle of the night, and he has them come to him. And he basically tells them, Get out, get out of here. We'll check it out what it says. Exodus chapter 12, verse 31. It says this During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go worship the Lord as you have requested. And finally, after being in slavery for hundreds of years, they're able to leave Egypt. How amazing that must have been. Hundreds of years they have been, that's all they had known was slavery, some of them. And now they're being set free. But as God allows them to leave, he doesn't take them along the main path, As they're about to go and and seek out this promised land that was promised to their descendants and it was was promised to them that they were supposed to go by their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God had spoken to them and promised this land. They're about to head into it, but God does not take them along the main path to the promised land, which would have been the quickest way. Some think that it, it, it would have taken about a half a month But no, God doesn't do this. God instead chooses to lead them on a journey through the wilderness. And so this is what we're about to learn today is what happens in the wilderness and this journey that God's taking them on through the wilderness. Let's check it out in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. So God doesn't take them on the shortest path. He takes them through the wilderness but he doesn't just send them out into the wilderness and say, okay, go ahead. No, God is with them from the very beginning of their time in the wilderness. God shows up and leads them through the wilderness in a miraculous way. Remember what we said at the beginning, that the wilderness is a place that's disorienting at times, and it's hard to know which way to go, left or right, forwards or backwards. And it's a place where it's hard to find out which way is civilization and where we're supposed to be going. So God leads them through in a miraculous way with a pillar of a cloud by day, it says. And then a pillar of fire to light the night up so that they can travel. And God leads them in a miraculous way through the wilderness. Exodus chapter 13, verses 20 through 22 After leading Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of a cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of a cloud by day nor the pillar of a fire by night left its place in front of the people. God didn't leave them. It didn't leave. He stayed in front of them and led them through the whole way. And he led them right to the edge of the Red Sea. And they had to camp there by the shore. And then God does something that might be a little bit confusing. Remember Pharaoh? God decides to harden Pharaoh's heart again, knowing what that would mean is that Pharaoh would send, he would go out with his armies and chase down, try to hunt down the Israelites. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, why in the world would God do that? Why why would he rescue them from Pharaoh and allow Pharaoh to let them go only to harden Pharaoh's heart again so that he would chase after them? Well, let's check it out. Exodus chapter 14, verses one through four. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Pi-Hirath, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite of Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think that Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So guess what? Pharaoh chases them down. He rounds up 600 of Egypt's best chariots and his troops and the rest of the chariots of Egypt, and they took off after the Israelites. Let's check out what happens next in Exodus fourteen ten through 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were, no, there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us in the desert to die? Another translation says, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? It says, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answers the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And so God shows up in a huge way. And his people escape through the Red Sea. See, the people were seeing this massive army of Egypt closing in on them. If you look back and all they can see is coming through the wilderness, coming towards them is this massive army of Egypt. They look to the side and all they see is the Red Sea and they think that they're trapped. They're like, what, what are we going to do? And God says, I'm gonna lead you through this obstacle that's in front of you. And they're like, that's impossible. We can't, we can't get through this. And God's like, yes, you can. You just gotta trust me. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're here and, and you're going through something right now that seems like it's impossible to get through. This obstacle, the circumstances that are surrounding you, you'd look at it and you're like, there is no way I can get through this. I don't see how. How am I supposed to get through this? You're overwhelmed by all the circumstances, all the things that are happening to you. And you're like, how am I supposed to get through this? I believe that God would tell us this morning that I will fight for you. I will lead you through this. Do you trust me? So God miraculously rescues and delivers his people again. And he not only rescues them from their enemy, but he also destroys the enemy too. The Red Sea was split in two, as most of us know this story. The Red Sea was split in two, and the people of Israel follow through to safety. Exodus chapter 14, verses 29 through 31. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and a wall on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And then the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians the people feared the Lord and they put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Amazing. And then in Exodus chapter 15, we read of this massive song of praise that the people sing out to him. They're singing out this this great huge song about what had just happened to them. They're singing out praise and and they go into great detail of what God had just done and how awesome he is. It was basically, they, they praise God and they throw shade all over the enemy. Like they're like this, God, you rescued us and you threw those haters into the sea and they drowned like lead. And that's basically my kind of, God, you're awesome. It's my little bit of, you know, and it wasn't exactly like that, I didn't say haters. It was my interpretation of that. But it was basically what they are saying. They said, the horse and the rider fell into the sea. And they're praising God for what he had just done. And they're so amazed. And so you would think that everything now would be, just be roses and rainbows, right? Nope. See, the second half of Exodus chapter 15 tells us that Moses leads them away from the Red Sea. And they travel further into the wilderness and they can't find any water for three days. And then they finally come to this oasis, but they get to the oasis and the water there is extremely bitter. And so now they begin whining and complaining again. We don't have enough water. What are we going to drink? So look what happens. Exodus chapter 15, verses 25 through 26. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God, and you do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And so again, God takes care of them. He was seeing if they would listen to him, if they would obey his commands. He rescues them again so the people listen to God, they live happily ever after, that's the end. No, it isn't. Let's check out Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If we had only died back in the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but he who brought us out here in the desert to starve us as an entire assembly to death. Wow. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they will bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And that was because of the Sabbath. So you see what's happening is now God has decided even though they're whining and they're complaining and they're grumbling again, God is saying, okay, I'm gonna provide for you again. I'm gonna rain down bread from heaven. And that was what we call manna. And manna was like a, it was a bread-like substance, like a wafer, and it would, it would have a little bit of sweetness to it. And they were able to gather what they needed for that day. But not only that, but then he would also bring down quail in the evening to provide them with protein, Pretty amazing, right? God providing for them. I know right now is some, t- some hard times for us, and some of us maybe, you know, we're living paycheck to paycheck or whatever. We're le- sometimes we're looking in our refrigerator, we're like, whew, looks pretty bare. We're going to try to see if we have enough food. And maybe, maybe if something like this would happen to us, we'd be like, whoa, imagine this. Imagine God provides for us. We come out every morning. There on the ground, our pancakes and they're sweet, right? With a little bit of that syrup on it, right? Because man it had a little bit of sweetness to it. Or better yet, maybe it's what we're about to eat for lunch, and it was fry bed, fry bread, right? That was that's sweet too. And just go out and there's imagine that you go out and there's fry bread just on the ground. You don't have to make it, it's just boom, it's there. You're like, what? But not just that. Every evening. Go back outside and Chick-fil-A rains down from heaven. Right? You're like, this is amazing. Right? And we would be, we would be so excited if that was happening for us. And we think, we look at this story and we think, how could they complain? God was God was giving them pancakes and Chick-fil-A. I was like, what is he doing? Why are they complaining? But yet, if you're honest like I am, I read the story and I'm like, okay, yeah, uh, kind of judging them and criticizing them, but I probably would find myself in a situation where I'm like, after that, like, second month of Chick-fil-A, even though I like it, I'd be like, okay, God, could you change it to pepperoni pizza now? I want that instead. We would be like that, probably. You would think, right, that having food miraculously rained down from heaven would be exactly what the Israelites needed to realize that God was with them and that they should listen and obey his commands, right? Nope. They had manna every morning and quail at night. The Bible says it is as much as they needed for the day, but they still questioned it. They still were like, okay, I know that we had manna yesterday and the day before that and the day before that, but are we gonna have enough for tomorrow? Or, I don't know, we're we gonna have enough? Or, I don't, should I just, I'm gonna gather some more. What if we have enough for the whole family? We have enough for the next week? And they began to gather in more than they were supposed to for the day, even though they were told not to, all because they feared having enough. And What happened? well, all the extra stuff that they gathered began to rot and stink. And again, they had to be reminded of God's commands. And they eventually moved on from place to place that they were staying in the wilderness. And God began to move them from place to place until they finally began to whine again about water. What are we gonna drink? We're thirsty. Are you trying to kill us? Exodus chapter 17, verses four through seven. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I gonna do with these people? Kind of feel his pain. They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff which with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out for out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? They're saying, God, are you here? Are you even with us? And that's why Moses did that. And yet, again, God provides for his people. The people continued to wander in the wilderness. God continued to provide for them. And the people continued to whine and complain. So that's the thing about whining. Is whining begins to start to lead to wallowing. You know what I mean about wallowing? Wallowing is when we're, we're seeing some of the, what the Israelites were doing. It's that wallowing, and it's like, it starts with that wine. Oh, I'm so thirsty. What are we going to drink? And then it's like, we could have just died back there in Egypt. Oh, at least there we had enough food. At least there we had this. Oh, man, blah, 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 right? We begin to wallow in it. And sometimes we wallow in it ourselves. But in this case, we begin to, they were wallowing as a whole group. And sometimes that just kind of feeds off it. You ever been in a group and all of a sudden you begin to wallow with the whole group? You're like, yeah, you're right. It's so hot. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you're right. We don't have anything. We begin to wallow. And then wallowing begins to lead to wasting. And then we start to waste valuable resources and time. And that's what the Israelites did. Time was wasted because they were wallowing, they were whining, and they weren't listening. They weren't listening for God's voice. They weren't obeying his commands and what he told them to do, even though he was testing them over and over again. Will you listen to me? Will you obey my commands? Will you trust me? See, when we're in the wilderness, we can whine just like the Israelites did. When we wallow in our circumstances surrounding us, we begin to look at only those things that are happening to us. We begin to only look at those circumstances surrounding us, and we start to wallow in that. And then we can waste a lot of time asking this question why is this happening to me? Why am I having to go through this? When can I get from this wilderness? see, I think that's the wrong question to be asking. See, the question that we should be asking isn't, when can I get from this wilderness? The question we should be asking is, what can I get from this wilderness? What is God trying to speak to me? What is God trying to show me? Am I listening to his voice? Am I trying to listen for God's voice or am I too concerned With the circumstances that are surrounding me? Am I too concerned with my own comfort level or whether or not I will ever get out of this wilderness? And when will enough be enough already? The Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness before getting to the promised land. It's a trip that could have taken about 15 days. but God had to teach them. God wanted to learn this lesson through this journey. Not only would God was God showing them things, but God was also with them the entire time. God was there the whole time. Let's jump ahead to Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter two, verse seven reads this the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked, you have not lacked anything. Did you catch that? The Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. We're gonna look at one more passage this morning from Deuteronomy. We're gonna jump ahead to chapter eight. In Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses one through 10. Let's read it together. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you or your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on, what, on every word that comes out of the mouth of of the Lord. Sometimes we're looking for sustenance or we're looking to, to be filled with so many other things and God is saying, I wanna fill you with my word. Are you listening? Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you could dig copper out of the hills. And when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for what he has given you. God used the time and the wilderness to make them into a mighty nation, to make them into his people. He gave them his law. He gave them his commands. He tested their character and he humbled them. He was saying, will you, will you listen? I'm speaking to you, will you listen? Will you obey my commands? He was teaching them to do that. And he provided for them every step of the way. And when they whined and complained and kept wondering, when will we be done with this wilderness? When will enough be enough? God taught them this very powerful lesson that he is enough. He is enough. He is all they needed. They needed to completely rely on him. Instead of looking to the circumstances to the left or to the right, behind them, in front of them, their past, worrying about the future, God wanted them to rely fully on him and put his, them to put their trust in him. If you're here this morning, and you're in some sort of wilderness in your life. Maybe you're in some sort of desert season, some kind of wilderness in your life, and I don't know what it might be. Could be the loss of a loved one. It could be a job situation. It could be that you're, you're worried about what's gonna happen. Are you gonna have enough money for this or for that? Or it could be a number of other things, addiction, other things and you're in the middle of this wilderness and you don't know how you can get out all you can see are the circumstances that are surrounding you and you're blinded by those circumstances God wants to tell you this morning he wants to speak to you he wants to he wants to speak to you right there where you are we have to listen We have to take the time to be still. Just like Moses said to the people when they were worried what was about to happen. He said, you just need to be still. And I encourage you to lean into this question. What can I get from this wilderness? What can I get from this? God, what are you trying to speak to me? God, what are you trying to say to me? Band's gonna come up and we're gonna sing one more song together. And I encourage you not to leave. The lunch will be there, I promise. But I want us to lean in, I want us to to worship him this morning. I want us to listen to these words that we're we're about to sing this morning. We have sang them already, and I want us to lean into these words that we already sang. As we sing them again, listen to these words. We're gonna say, Everything you did is enough. I keep looking. And I keep finding, you keep giving, keep providing. I have all that I need. You are all that I need. As we sing those words to him this morning, as we, as we worship him before we leave, as you close your eyes, as you're singing those words, as you're listening to the music, I want you to honestly ask yourself these questions and have a hard look at yourself and your situation Honestly, be honest with yourself. Be honest with God this morning and ask yourselves these questions. Am I listening for his voice? Or am I blinded? Am I too concerned with all the circumstances around me that it's keeping me from even listening for him? Second question I want you to ask yourself is, am I obeying him? Am I... Am I doing what he says for me to do in his word? Am I obeying him? Am I fully relying on him? Am I truly fully relying on God? And do I truly, truly believe that he is enough? Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Springs podcast. Our hope is that you hear the truth of God's Word and that you are encouraged and challenged by it. If you would like to take your faith journey to the next level, check out the Getting Started Plan on our mobile app or our website, HarvestSprings.com. The Getting Started Plan is a seven-day video-based teaching that will help you start your relationship with Jesus off in the right direction. And if there's anything that we can do to help, just fill out a connection card on our website or on the mobile app.